I am a member. And you can see that editor's message. The words are very small. Let me read that to you. It says, be spooked or be square. Are you game enough for some frightful moments at our spooky Halloween parties at Safra? Compose yourself and gear up for our haunting grounds in your best or rather your worst Halloween outfits. And there is a disclaimer, not suitable for the faint-hearted. Don't say we didn't warn you. Even the little ones are not spared from the ghastly actions, although in a more adorable way. It's never too young to start training for brave hearts. After the dark and gloomy excitement, it's time to light up for the Christmas season, etc., etc., and it goes on. Okay, so just how are we as Christians to respond to this? How do we train our kids to be brave? Well, a six-year-old boy was super excited about Halloween and his Halloween costume, and he told his father, I'm going to be the Pope. And the father says, son, you can't be the Pope. You're not Catholic. You're brethren. So the son was really stumped for several minutes. And then he came up with this great question. Dad, is Dracula a brethren? (laughs) And so it is the night of 31st October. A mother, let's call her Mother A, dresses her kids for trick or treat where they knock their neighbor's doors and then they get sweets. Her daughter is dressed like a witch and carries a broom. Her sons are dressed as a zombie and a ghoul. Uh, ghoul versus ghost, there is a difference. Go find out. And it's just innocent fun, she says. This family goes to church regularly, and they call Jesus Lord. Meanwhile, next door, Mother B. Mother B keeps her kids indoors that night. She forbids anything that has to do with Halloween. No decorations, no costumes, no sweets, no parties. And she doesn't answer the door when her neighbor's kids knock on it for trick-or-treat. Every year, she would seek out those who would listen to her and forcefully rebuke anyone who participates in any of these Halloween activities and warns them of being caught in Satan's schemes. Her family goes to church regularly and calls Jesus Lord. So, is Halloween simply secular or or satanic? Is it harmless fun or is it a heinous feint? Okay, I copied this from somebody. What is it about Halloween that makes Americans spend an estimated $7.4 billion last year, 2014, on costumes, sweets, and parties? And that one quarter of all sweets or, or candy, as it is called in America, is sold, that is sold in America is sold for the Halloween season, 25%. It's huge business. Well, growing up, I knew nothing about Halloween. But it is becoming a very popular thing nowadays. And in my estate, I see costume kids all over the streets on the 31st of October. And, and some scary stuff in uh, Universal Studios and and in the past also in a zoo. You might have read in the papers. So what is Halloween? It's important that we know because, uh, and we preached this message earlier in October so that if you are invited to a Halloween party or if you are thinking about a Halloween party, then you would have some idea 
uh, what the Bible says about Halloween. Well, what is Halloween? On the 13th of May in the year 610 AD, a pope called Pope, I don't know how to pronounce his name, Boniface, Boniface, um, the fourth, consecrated the Pantheon. You know this building, a very famous historical building in Rome. It used to be an old pagan temple. And the Pope consecrated it to the Virgin Mary and all Christian martyrs. So he removed all the pagan idols from the Pantheon and he brought, it is said, 28 cartloads of bones of martyrs, um, various martyrs and saints, and he put them, the bones, into this building, and he declared that day All Saints' Day, to honour martyrs and saints. And then in the 8th century, that means 700 plus AD or so, another pope called Pope Gregory III moved All Saints' Day from 13th of May to 1st November. And the evening before All Saints' Day, became All Hallows Evening or Halloween, becoming Halloween. And then early in the 11th century, around about 1000 AD or so, the church made the 2nd of November, the following day, All Souls Day, a day to honour the dead and some even to pray for the dead to move them from purgatory that Catholics believe in where the souls are being tortured to heaven. So it's obviously wrong, wrong doctrine, but it was a Pope who did that. So, 31st October is Halloween, Hello Evening. 1st November is All Saints' Day. 2nd November is All Souls' Day. And so we can argue that all these days come from a Christian background in inverted commas. But, but why is Halloween, or why has Halloween become such a dark thing. It's always about ghosts and demons. Why the Draculas and the ghosts and the ghouls that you need to Google to find out? What about the practices of trick or treat or uh, costumes, the, the scary pumpkin uh, lanterns? Why all these things when purportedly they come from a sort of Christian background? Well, it is no coincidence that November the 1st is the Wiccan New Year, W-I-C-C-A. Wicca is a religion about witchcraft. It's fairly recent. It was introduced formally in, only in 1954. And 1st and of November, it is believed, is the time of the year when the veil between the world of the dead and the living is said to be at its thinnest. So the spirits and the souls of the loved ones can sort of move across from the dead to the living and enter our world. And they have the ability to visit us. And people will leave a plate of food and a glass of wine for these wandering spirits. I think those of us who are Chinese can understand these things. And it's a very good time to contact the spirit world with a seance. Okay? And Wiccans worship the great horn god, like the devil with that goat's horn, and a great goddess. So that's the religion of Wicca. But 
the date first November goes back even further, goes back to Celtic roots, uh, you know, in Ireland and Scotland, uh, England, uh, C E L T I C, Celtic, and where you might have heard of the Druids. Okay, the Druids uh, would be people like this at Stonehenge in England. And 1st November is not Samhain. I understand it is pronounced as Sawin. Okay, this word, 1st November is Sawin. And Sawin is the day when spirits move between the dead and the living. And early, early Greek and Roman writers uh, frequently made reference to this religion of the Druids as practitioners of human sacrifices. Okay, this is even found in the works of Julius Caesar, Cicero, the Roman Cicero. But however, modern-day Druids, and it lives on till modern days, they will refute all these charges of human sacrifices. And so there's a great dispute going on. Did it happen or did it not happen? Nobody really knows. And November the 1st, which actually starts on the evening of 31st of October, which is when Halloween is, is a very important date for people who practice witchcraft and uh, satanic worship. It is one of the most important days for satanic worship and witchcraft. But what about the costumes, the trick-or-treat, the pumpkin lanterns during Halloween? So let's take a look at that. Costumes. The, the Druids believe that evil spirits roam the earth during the Samhain, you know, 1st November, and they roam the world, they cast spells, and they trick people, and they just come and disturb people like, uh, like ghosts would do. And then they believe that if you wore a mask or a costume, you can trick the demon into thinking that you are one of them, and they will leave you alone. What about trick or treat? Well, this came from the belief that many Chinese also do, that if you set your food or some candy at your doorstep on that night, the spirits will pass you by. They even believe that your milk, when, in those days when they don't have a refrigerator, will not be spoiled by the ghosts, or your cattle will not have birth defects, and your family will be protected because you put some food at your doorstep. And then the druids would then go around, collect the food, and they burn it as a sacrifice to their gods. And they were also known, the druids, because of what they believe, they were known to burn your house down or to castrate the males in the house if they come to your door and there are no treats at the door. This cannot be verified. I tell you, I've, I've spent much time trying to find out all these things and there are so many differing accounts. So they will deny this, that there's no such thing. Uh, it's, it's some crazy Christian who wrote this, which may well be true. And that the trick or treat that we know today is thoroughly American. And in some sense, it is. In the 19th century, which is the 1800s or so, when, during, uh, when Ireland had that great potato famine, lots of them moved to America. The Irish, the Scottish moved to America, and they brought their Celtic traditions to North America. And, and the night of 31st October became a night of pranks and mischiefs. And the vandals would go through the street. They will put soap over your window so that you cannot see anything. They will overturn outhouses, which are like uh, toilets that are outside the house. And then they will pull the gates off 
the hinges, and then they will say, oh, these are the works of witches and ghosts. But by the 1920s, uh, the people thought this was no fun anymore. You know, there was too much destruction uh, going on. And then to counteract this, what is called Halloween vandalism, uh, community clubs like the Boy Scout movement began to organize more healthy alternatives that are more safe, more fun. And then the, the children were now encouraged to go door to door, to knock on doors and to receive tricks or treats and to keep all these troublemakers away. And by 1930, that long ago, this practice was widespread nationwide. And then you, on that night, you can hear trick-or-treat, trick-or-treat in the streets. Okay, what about the lanterns? What is called Jack-O-Lantern? Jack-O-Lantern. There are so many versions of how this came about that I basically gave up. Okay. Um, some are really scary. Some are not at all scary. But whatever you say... It is all about the devil. Okay? Some say that the scary faces that are carved out on these pumpkins um, represent the evil spirits themselves. Some say it is to pate. Okay, Those of you who know Cantonese, it is to ward off evil spirits. So you put the lantern out, evil spirits will be scared by your pumpkin. But bottom line is, it is scary, it is grotesque, and it's all about evil spirits. Um, well, you can try doing more research into this. Uh, I really, I gave up after a while because there were too many pages on the internet to read and there are so many varying uh, versions and there were deniers and counter-deniers, you know. People would say that all these Christians are fear-mongering and the, some of the very radical Christians would say that this is really demonic and devilish. Too many of this. But you cannot deny, after all the pages that I've read, that it is always linked to something not good, something satanic, something pagan, something dark and grotesque. So, after all that, is Halloween uh, a trick? Or is it really a treat? Is it a nice holiday? Or is it something that the devil does to trick us to fall into his scheme? Should we be Mother A, harmless fun? Or should we be Mother B, oh, grab all your children at home, switch off all the lights, don't answer the door that night? Or should it be Mother A plus Mother B divided by two? <laughs> Somewhere in the middle. You know, we don't want to inadvertently uh, treat, uh, 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 teach our children to, that God is like a party pooper, you know, that God really oh, cannot have fun, uh, cannot do this, cannot do that. that, that we Christians are known to be more for what we are against rather than what we are for. We don't want to have our children uh, uh, understand God that way. But let's take a look at that date again, 1st November. And it really doesn't take a rocket scientist or a brain surgeon to tell you that it is not a coincidence it was the popes who chose Samhain, 1st November, and they tried to make that pagan festival into All Saints' Day. It was a deliberate Christian strategy to do that. And it started all the way back in the 4th century, in the 380s, when Constantine became emperor of uh, the Roman Empire. And when he decided 
that Christianity should be the official religion of the world then. And therefore, the pagans, those who don't believe in Jesus, were forced to join the Christian church. And the church leaders knew that all these so-called new believers, they don't really understand the gospel. And so they tried to indoctrinate them by giving Christian meaning to all the old pagan customs and holidays that were already a part of their lives. So, Christmas, Easter were two of these formerly pagan holidays that were then infused with the gospel message, modified, sanctified, as it were, in the hope of bringing true faith to these nominal believers. Let's talk about Easter and Christmas. Well, the birth of Christ is definitely not December 25th. Right? We know that December is winter time in uh, Israel and no shepherd will be out tending their flock in the fields, as we know from the Bible. But December 21st traces, and again, there are many, many versions, it traces all the way through the Egyptian, the, the Persian, all the way back to Babylonia, to the worship of the sun god. And practically every aspect of modern-day Christmas practices, like the, the Yule log here, which has been turned into a chocolate cake, uh, the colours of red and green, uh, kissing under the mistletoe, uh, everything had a pagan origin. Um, and it has nothing to do with Jesus Christ or even anything Jewish. What about Easter? Easter also had Babylonian roots and Easter, many people argue, came from the word Ishtar, uh, which is the queen of heaven that you even read about in uh, Jeremiah or Isaiah. And the Easter bunny is a symbol of fertility, all right? because bunny reproduce. Easter eggs, even hot cross buns, have been reputedly, or have reputedly quite pagan origins. The days of the week, Monday, Tuesday, Sunday, is named after the sun god, Monday the moon god, Tuesday the god of Mars, and the whole list there. Wednesday, every day, has a pagan root. The names of the months. January is named after Janus, the Roman god of gates and doorways. February is named after Februa, the Roman festival of purification, and so on. The modern church has also borrowed much from the world. Um, the custom of churches meeting in church buildings, well, of course we know that some pay, they come from uh, the practices in the synagogues, which is like, okay. But it's also argued that in the early church, they mostly meet in homes. You can't go to a synagogue, the synagogue people will chase you out. And instead, they have adopted the pagan traditions of, uh, of Rome in the first two and three centuries where pagan temples were then converted into churches. The practice of uh, us sitting like that uh, in chairs or pews facing the front was adopted from pagan temples in the, in the fourth century. Martin Luther, the great reformer, wrote hymns such as A Mighty Fortress, but he took the melody, the yeah, the melody, the music 
from the beer-drinking songs of his day because the common people were familiar with it. John Newton's Amazing Grace, which we think is a holy song, the melody is a beer-drinking song that the people would recognize of its days. So recently, I, I heard that there's such thing as a um, pornographic song. I listened to a sermon by our youth pastor, Joanne. She was talking to the youth, and she said she named one song, you know, uh, Anaconda, which is a snake, by this pop artist called uh, Minaj, Nicki Minaj. So I went to check the words. Oh my goodness. It was absolutely pornographic. But could it be that a Christian might take that tune and put Christian lyrics into it? Is that acceptable? It was done by Martin Luther and it was done by John Newton. So the issue is, what do we do? What do we do with all these customs that are left over from a pagan heritage? And we know that even if you are 15% Christians here in Singapore, there is 85% out there in the world who are not and who have their own traditions which we call pagan. And it is so true that modern culture is thoroughly permeated with pagan-based traditions. So, do we become obsessed with identifying and eliminating everyone from our lives? Do we then develop this Pharisee attitude with cleaning, cleaning, cleaning the outside of our cup? We've addressed quite a bit of that in the last series of sermon on the, the humor of, of, of Christ. Huh? Inside is what is important. Outside is important too, but inside is more important. Then, there are those who, who try to avoid anything that is vaguely pagan or that have pagan roots. But I think in my experience, I see that those who do that end up no more godlier than those who, who do not. In fact, very often, they end up being very self-righteous and very judgmental. So when it comes to Easter or Christmas, and especially today we talk about Halloween, what do we do? Do we receive it? No problem. Do we reject it? And say, absolutely not. Or do we find a way to redeem it? I think a key test would be this, okay? If some of us are thinking about a Halloween party and dressing up our kids or, or, or sending your kids to some Halloween party, can we hold our hand to our heart and solemnly declare that we observe Easter or Christmas or now Halloween for the glory of God? Can we hold our hand to our heart and say, absolutely, this is for the glory of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, including Halloween parties, do it all for the glory of God. Can we say that? Or can we hold our hand to our heart and solemnly declare that we observe Easter or Christmas or Halloween in a way that our mind is fully convinced and we do so to the Lord and give thanks to God? Romans 14 verse 5. One man considers one day one man considers one day more sacred than another. Another man considers every day alike. Each man should be fully convinced in his own mind. He who regards one day as special does so to the Lord. He who eats meat eats to the Lord, for he gives thanks to God. And he who abstains 
does so through the Lord and gives thanks to God. So I find that this might be a very good test for us. Through the Lord, give thanks all for the glory of God. So can we put on a ghoulish costume or a very sexy costume to the Lord for His glory and give thanks to God? And can we scare the living daylights out of people for the glory of God? You know, in this regard, there is a huge difference between Easter and Christmas, which comes from pagan roots, and Halloween, which also comes from pagan roots. You talk to any person, believer, non-believer especially, and almost all of them will know that Christmas is about the birth of Christ. Right? Okay, they will tell you Santa Claus and all that, but they will know, I think, 100%. They will know Christmas is about the birth of Christ. And you talk to them about Easter, okay, they'll give you eggs and Easter bunnies and hot cross buns, but they will know it is about the death and the resurrection of Christ. You may have to remind them a little bit or wait a while till they get sober. But there will be no dispute. No dispute about Easter, about what Easter or Christmas, even if the dates are not correct, what they are all about. But if you ask your friends about Halloween, who among them will tell you that it is, oh, actually it is Christian, it is All Saints Day? you probably get just a blank look. What is All Saints Day? I think maybe many of us here don't even know All Saints Day. Um, some may know that, uh, that Halloween is kind of like the Western uh, equivalent of the Chinese seven month, you know, where the ghosts come out to play. Some may know. Um, in fact, some call it the Chinese Qingming, Okay, where money and iPhones and Mercedes-Benz are burned to souls, in not real ones, huh? the paper ones. Okay? And, and because wherever these souls are, they need to drive in, in impressive cars, then they need to WhatsApp one another to keep in touch. You know, I dare say that no one would even link Halloween to anything remotely Christian. So in the end, what does Halloween glorify? Glorify freedom and fun, yes, but ultimately the spirit and, and, and the devil. So my view is we can receive such things as the days of the week. Okay, we're not going to argue with people that Monday shouldn't be called Monday. We can receive January as uh, even if it was dedicated to some Roman gods. We can receive that. We can buy from shops that are not owned by Christians, even shops that sell something unholy next to something holy or, or common, that we can receive. My view is that Christ, uh, uh, Halloween, in a form that is widely practiced today, even in Safra, that is, is about things ghoulish and scary or even sexy and, and debauchery, as in you drink a lot and get drunk, must be rejected. Because it cannot be unto the Lord. We cannot give God glory and we cannot give God thanks for the Halloween party that I attended when many girls are dressed very sexily and the children are dressed as Dracula and we all drink ourselves silly. We cannot. Or Paul might have eaten meat 
that was sold in the marketplace where it was previously dedicated or offered to, to idols. But he would not go into a temple to drink the cup of demons, remember? So today, uh, a strip club, okay, where, where women go and strip themselves and dance, um, it can be bought and it can be turned into a Christian bookshop. Right? It can be redeemed. But you cannot say that we have a Christian strip club where Christian people go there and strip, right? So those must be rejected. It is clear. So you can receive days of the week, month. You must reject anything that is dedicated to the devil or just simply ghoulish and not for the glory of God. And my view is that Easter and Christmas is already redeemed because by and large, the whole world knows it is about Jesus, his birth, his death, his resurrection. His resurrection. The fundamental promise, uh, a fundamental premise is that it signifies and even honors Christ's birth, Christ's death, Christ's resurrection. Even though it had pagan roots and is, even though it is highly commercialized. In his speech in Athens, in Acts chapter 17, one of the, the most pagan, polytheistic, all kinds of gods uh, a city in the world, Paul quoted from pagan poets. And he referred to this pagan altar. So Paul was redeeming, taking back from even truths that are found in pagan poets and using them for God's glory. So, I hope no one here will argue with me. If you do, then okay, let's spend time together. That if Halloween is about ghosts and ghouls and demons and witches, a Christian has no reason to participate in it. But you may dispute with me in this way. What if I dress as Superman? What if my kid is Batman? Um, it's just a time to have fun. Don't be a party pooper. My kids have been invited to the classmates' party and she's going to dress as Minnie Mouse. What's the problem? You know, it's, it's just secular. There's nothing spiritual about that. My, my neighbours are not demon worshippers. They don't practice satanic rituals. Don't be a spoiled sport. Don't be so superstitious and so Christian scared. In fact, I intend to go there and make friends. Preach the gospel. So what do you say to that? In other words, you are trying to redeem Halloween. Which is very honourable. But it makes it very, very complicated. And I have a few suggestions if you want to do that. That first of all, you need to be gentle and respectful. 1 Peter 3.15, right? Give a reason for your faith. You need to be gentle. You need to be respectful. And you need to find that appropriate way to participate in Halloween. And we need to tackle the issues of evil, spirits, death, fear. They are so fundamental to the modern-day practice of Halloween. Number two, if kids come to your party or you go to a party where people are dressed in ghoulish costumes, you need to find a way to turn it into an object lesson about God and evil. That they must not glorify darkness and evil that you need to show that light triumphs over darkness, that there is a good God who triumphs over evil, that Christ has defeated Satan. Number three, we need to try to explain the origins of All Hallows' Evening, the evening before All Saints' Day. Explain what is hallow. Hallow means holy. 
explain what is a saint. A saint is a forgiven child of God. And I think that might be about the only basis for which a Christian can responsibly participate in the modern-day practice of Halloween. And I salute you if you are able to do that. You know, earlier in the year, I told you that I was thinking about redeeming Halloween and that our community services centre would uh, want to do block parties on Halloween on 31st October. And upon the advice of some and further reflection, I just found it too difficult. Too difficult. It's not impossible, but it was just too difficult. If you want to do uh, a, a wholesome party, I'm, I'm just thinking, let's do it on another wholesome day. You know, some of you will say to me, why should PPS chicken out of a redeemed Halloween block party in Teban Gardens? Well, others may insist to me that we should not even practice Easter and Christmas, let alone Halloween. It's so disputable. But I'm glad that the Bible has instructions for us. Oh my goodness, it's so late. Okay, the Bible has uh, instructions for us in disputable matters like diet. You know, can we eat blood? Can we eat food offered to idols? Like uh, drink? Can we drink beer? Can Christians drink whiskey? Like uh, dress? Can Christians wear miniskirt or hot pants? Uh, sanctified hot pants? Can... Can we buy decorations from some of these countries that we go to, you know, the, the very traditional crowd that might have a dragon or, or something quite ghoulish? Okay, unfortunately, I have a seven-point sermon okay, to address this, mostly from Romans, chapter, Romans uh, chapter 14 and 15 and also 1 Corinthians chapter 8 to 10. So there's a lot to handle. Okay, I'm going to go through this very quickly because it's already 10.20. And uh, to help you hold back judgment on disputable matters. Romans 14.1 Accept him whose faith is weak without passing judgment on disputable matters. So let's take this as a disputable matter. Hold back your judgment. Number two, avoid looking down on those who don't share your convictions. Romans 14.2 says, One man's faith allows him to eat everything. But another man whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. The man who eats everything must not look down on him who does not. And the man who does not eat everything must not condemn the man who does, for God has accepted him. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To his own master he stands or falls. And he will stand, for the Lord is able to make him stand. So the man who joins a Halloween party dressed as Superman or Batman must not look down on these other Christians who do not. And the one who do not must not uh, condemn this man who goes in as Superman. Three, realize we must live for the Lord alone. Romans 14.5 One man considers one day more sacred then another, another man considers every day alike, Halloween, no Halloween. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. He who regards one day as special does so to the Lord. He who eats meat eats to the Lord, for he gives thanks to God. And he who abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. So everyone must be convinced in his own mind. Verse 5, fully convinced of what? 
that when you do it, you are doing it for God. When you're not doing it, you're also doing it, not doing it for God. And it's all to the glory of God. And we are fully accountable to the Lord for, for what we do, that our hearts are pure and that we do it out of the glory of God and gratitude to God and we live for God alone. We do not vacillate. Okay, this year I participate in Halloween. Next year, I'm not sure. Then maybe I don't. Uh, then, then, then you become a Christian neurotic. Okay, And you need to be fully convinced in your own mind for the glory of God. Number four, make sure that we don't stumble others. Romans 14 verse 13, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in your brother's way. As one who is in the Lord Jesus, I'm fully convinced that no food is unclean in itself. But if someone, if anyone regards something as unclean, then for him it is unclean. If your brother is distressed of because of what you eat, you are no longer acting in love. Do not, by your eating, destroy your brother for whom Christ died. Do not allow what you consider good to be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating or drinking or even Halloween, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and approved by men. What causes stumbling blocks? I have my rights. My own conscience is clear. Why should I adjust what I eat, what days I observe, how I dress, which party I go to, just because of some of you Christians? If these narrow-minded Christians have an issue with my food and my dress, it's his problem. And I've heard this, unfortunately, from ladies who dress with as little material as possible. He says, oh, if my Christian brother is so dirty-minded to be enticed, enticed by the parts of my body that overflows my dress, then it is his problem. I say, lady, sister, have mercy on men. We are visual creatures, okay? We are visual creatures. So I beseech you, as a representative of my gender, do not put stumbling blocks or obstacles in your brother's way. Do not, by your dressing or by participating in Halloween or not participating in Halloween, destroy your brother for whom Christ died. Okay, so whatever we do, let's ask. Righteousness, peace, and joy. Is it right? Is it righteous? Does it bring peace? Does it make for peace? Not just for you, but for the other person. And lastly, does it really give joy? Romans 14, 7. By participating or not participating in Halloween, or by meeting, eating meat or dressing in the miniskirt, does it make for righteousness, peace, and joy? Okay, next one. Only do what leads to peace and mutual edification. Romans 14, 19. Let us make every effort to do what leads to peace and mutual edification. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food or for the sake of Halloween. All food is clean. Every day is clean. But it is wrong for a man to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. It is better for him not to eat meat or drink wine or participate in Halloween or to do anything that will cause your brother to fall. Once I had a, a beautiful vase that was given to me. It's got this Chinese motif, and it's a dragon. Um, this white and blue vases, beautiful. And a Christian friend came to my house and made some comments about the vase in my living room. Hey, my living room, okay. <laughs> so out goes the vase. Okay, I didn't destroy it, okay. I hid it in my study so that, yeah. 
So I try to do what makes for peace and mutual edification. Edification means to build up, don't tear down, right? If I go into a quarrel with this brother, hey, I'm not scared, no. Dragon, I'm not scared. Okay. <laughs> It'll just break each other down. So, hold back judgment on disputable matters, avoid looking down on others, realize we must live for the Lord alone, make sure we don't stumble others, only do what leads to peace and mutual edification, and the last two, no need to publicize your personal convictions. Romans 14.22 So whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the man who does not condemn himself by what he approves, but the man who has doubts is condemned if he eats because his eating is not from faith, and everything that does not come from faith is sin. So that's not really not too much to, to say about this. It just says shut up. Shut up if it does not make for peace and mutual edification. You must always speak the truth, but you must speak the truth in love. But you do not always need to speak, which means shut up. Okay, last one, yield. Yield your personal preferences to edify others, to build up others. Romans 15.1 We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please his neighbor for his good, to build him up. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. So a little child comes into your home, or a grandchild. Some of us are really wishing, right? Comes into your home and everything changed, right? Or you say, nothing changed. Nothing changed. My home is my home. It's not my problem. But you yield to, you, to, to a child and you child-proof your home. Right? All the sharp objects and everything that can be swallowed is taken away. Why? To build up the child, not to kill him. So you child-proof a home out of love. Likewise, you yield, you give way out of love to edify, to build up the other person. So this is the seven-point sermon, harmony. Okay. So after we have decided whether or not to join a Halloween party or whether or not to wear hot pants, we still need to look at this matrix. You know, what is a good way to do it and what is a, a bad way to do this? So if you want to do it, okay, if you want to attend uh, a Halloween party and you're fully convinced in your own mind to God, for the glory of God, giving thanks to God, then you do it without acting superior. Right? And say, oh, you chicken Christians so scared of Halloween. Come on, man. I go right into the devil's uh, heart and I go and evangelize or whatever. Okay? Don't be act so superior. But if you decide not to, if you decide not to, then say, I will not do it. I will not attend or participate in Halloween. But I'm not going to condemn those who do. So this is the good, good way. Now the bad, bad way. Okay, I do it. And no church, no elder, no pastor Kofi is going to tell me not to do it. Okay, Limpe, okay, me. <laughs> and then the other way is, I don't do it. And no Christian should also. I mean, why? why? And then you go around, uh, uh, you know, condemning everybody who do not agree with you. So we want the good, good way. Whatever you decide. Without acting superior or self-righteous, without condemnation. So this is my complicated 11-point sermon now. Okay, <laughs> how many seven to this four? Um, 
and complicated sermons are forgettable sermons. So you probably forget everything by the time you step out of this hall. So I want to leave you with just one simple point. Okay, it's from an earlier slide. I think this one is simpler, okay? 1 Corinthians 10.31, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Let that be a test for us. Not just Halloween, I think in our Christmas, uh, um, in our business, sorry, business practices tomorrow, what we do tomorrow in the way we want to to admonish or educate our children uh, tomorrow. Uh, better study hard. Nah? Got a few more days of PSLE. Nah? You sure die if you don't study hard. You know, do it for the glory of God. And then Romans 14, 5. One man considers one day this. And there are so many disputable matters, right? Another, day, uh, another man considers every day alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. So we've got to be convinced. We've got to think We've got to Google. We've got to find out the basis for what we decide. He who regards as one day as special does so to the Lord. He who eats meat offered to idols eats the Lord, gives thanks to the Lord. And who, he who does not does so to the Lord and gives thanks to the Lord. So whether they are disputable matters or any matter, this will be a good test to the Lord for the glory of God. Give thanks to God. Let's pray. Let's just bring our, our day before the Lord. You know, tomorrow, the, the, the week coming, all the way to 31st October. If some of us are, uh, have Halloween um, invitations or planning a Halloween party, just bring that in your mind, spread it out before before God. What's happening tomorrow? Saturday, whatever, all the way to 31st. Just lay it out there. If you have your, your phone calendar, okay, now I allow you to look at your phone calendar. Let's bring it before the Lord. Is it to the Lord? every activity there is it to the Lord for the glory of God and that we give thanks to God for every item listed on our calendar and this is the way to live we will have righteousness peace and joy and so let me just pray for everyone God thank you that you don't leave us to fight and dispute over disputable matters that in your word is so much wisdom so God help us to appropriate that wisdom um, especially for Halloween as that season comes up how do we talk to Christians and non-Christians alike about Halloween or about other disputable matters, how we dress, and when we go on holiday, do we walk into a temple? Um, all these kinds of, of things. And I pray, God, that you will grant to us this wisdom to set it to a few tests 
God, we want to live to you, for you alone. We want everything that we do to be done for your glory and to be able to give thanks to you for all things. This is the way we want to live, Lord. And so I pray that you will grant to us the strength to do so, wisdom, also the courage to do so. If we do certain things or if we abstain from certain things, we will have courage to carry out our convictions fully convinced in our own mind. Thank you, Lord, for blessing us with your wisdom. And I pray that as we go out from here, each one of us will be that bearer of truth and grace that the words we speak about Halloween or anything else will always be spoken in truth, with love, with grace. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.